Issues. It's a podcast for women of color where we talk about the issues we face each and every day. And I am your host, Karen Davis Thompson, and we are continuing our celebration that In My Shoes is one. And so I have three members of my tribe today. I have Amber, Tam, and Jojo. I'm going to let them introduce themselves so you get reacquainted. It's been a minute since they've been on, and then we will get started. Hi, everyone. Um, happy birthday in my shoes. Um, I am Tamara Burks. I don't know what else you may want to know about me. Um, based here in Tampa, Florida, a diversity talent acquisition strategist, um, Zumba instructor, current cancer patient. Um, and just all around Tamara Town. Hey. Hi, I'm Joanne Tavares, living in Ruskin, mother of three boys, two girls, my bonus daughters, and I'm a legal secretarian, still working from home. My name is Amber of Connage. I'm the wife of one. And I just want to tell um, in my shoes, in the words of Frosty the Snowman, happy birthday. We are so excited about a birthday. I'm her sister, as many of you may know. You can't see, but she's giving me these really weird looks right now just because I said I'm the wife of one. JoJo said she was the mother of three, so I said I'm the wife of one. Hey, it goes, it goes. But I work for the local government. I live here in Tampa, Florida, and I do have a side hustle called Designs by Land. We make custom crafts, and I'm glad to be here. The wife of one, fam? I mean, you know, mother of three, wife of one, they don't go together. Like you're only supposed to be the wife of one. Like, what are we talking about? Okay, Amber, anyway, I'm gonna let her have that y'all. So we're gonna go ahead and get started. So Tam, let's start with you. Um, what's been going on with you? So let's talk a little bit about uh, when you found out about your cancer diagnosis, how it's impacted your life. Um, just whatever you feel like sharing today. Um, go ahead and share it with the audience. Tam has been um, on like our, when we did our episode about an HBCU versus going to a PWI, she was a guest there. So you guys have heard from Tam before and there's a lot that's been going on since then. So Tam, why don't you take it away? So in September, um, as I was transitioning from one employer to a new employer, um, decided to go ahead and try to utilize one, the time that I had between the transition as well as my health insurance. So Let's knock out all of the tests that you, you know, we as women need to do, whether that's our annual exam, mammograms, et cetera. Um, I did feel a lump, but I was um, kind of slow in getting the mammogram that my doctor had ordered. Um, decided to go back, doctor ordered another one. So I went and had my mammogram. Um, had a mammogram and a sonogram um, one September, Wednesday on late September. Um, the radiologist came in and let me know that what appeared on the screen to look like cancer and that she does biopsies on Thursdays and Fridays at the hospital. And let's see if she could get me into the hospital to do a biopsy. So that Thursday, literally the next day, fortunate enough, I was able to go and um, have that biopsy and the biopsy came back that Saturday, um, letting me know that I have breast cancer, her two positive breast cancer. Um, one of the Good things about this particular breast cancer is they know how to attack it because it is hormone-based. So it's all about trying to control my hormones and um, let's attack it initially with chemo. So I completed chemo February 2nd um, successfully. The tumor has visibly shrunk. Um, my doctors nor I can feel the tumor anymore. I have scanned cancer 
free, but that's scanning. Um, and this Thursday coming up, March 11th, I will have a lumpectomy. So we hope that once they remove that tumor, it tests cancer-free. Um, and then I will continue with my treatment plan of radiation and hormone treatments. Um, my journey and treatment is not going to be complete probably until mid-next year. But so far, so good. And I have to thank members of my tribe who are, some of them are sitting here on this call with me and others that you'll hear from, I'm sure later on, um, for one, making sure that I, if I needed someone to go to an appointment with me, I had someone to go to an appointment with me. If I needed someone to sit with me for chemo, they stopped what they were doing to come and sit with me for chemo, listening to my work calls, because I did work the entire time, um, checking on me periodically, um, whether they, I wanted to boohoo and cry about the situation or if I wanted to hear about their lives. Um, so without my tribe, I would not be here as positive as I'm being told that I'm always coming off as and as strong as I am today. So I want to say thank you guys um, for being with me during this journey. I have not def definitely haven't gone it alone, but that's kind of what's been going on with me this second half. I'm fortunate, I guess, to have gotten diagnosed with cancer at this stage because I have no FOMO. Um, with the pandemic, no one is going out and about. No one is traveling and having fabulous vacations. So I'm not having the fear of missing out on anything because all of us are stuck at home um, trying to stay safe and healthy. So if I was going to get sick, this was the time to do it. Thank you so much for that, Tam. And just very quickly, why, I know that you have been pretty vocal about this. You've uh, talked about it on Instagram. Why did you decide that was something that you wanted to do? I think because like myself, there are others and I've heard from others who have put off caring for themselves because they don't have enough time. They're more doing, you know, making sure their family is taken care of, that work is getting in the way, that there's always some reason why they are not taking care of themselves or getting their yearly exams and things. And with early detection with breast cancer, it is curable. Um, and I had a, a family history of breast cancer as well as other cancers and I kept putting it off, right? Um, and so I thought if I could share my story, hopefully it would inspire others to make sure that they took care of themselves. Um, I were, breast cancer is one of those cancers that there's been so much research done, there's so much money that's being thrown at it that it is truly curable if you detect it early. Um, and you know, you can come out the other side. During this time, I've had one girlfriend literally found out she had cancer a day before I had made my announcement um, of having cancer. And she had a, her early detection. She didn't have to do chemo. She didn't have to do radiation. She decided to do a mastectomy and she's doing hormone blockers. So your story could be a lot different. I would not wish a chemo treatment on anyone. Um, I had to do six cycles. The first three were durable and bearable. The last three, I would probably at the time felt like I'd rather die than go through the um, side effects that I was you know, feeling from chemo and knowing that I'm going to do every step in the treatment plan for anyone, even though mine was detected somewhat early up stage two and it's curable and I have a, you know, a great outcome. You know, I wouldn't wish this journey on anyone. So if, you, if we would just take time to care for ourselves and recognize we can't pour into others, we can't pour into our family until we pour into ourselves, First and take care of our own vessel first before we try to pour into someone else's vessel. Um, so if my story, like I said, Karen could inspire anyone um, 
to go and get checked. That's why I decided to share it. I also didn't, because I am so vocal on social media, wasn't sure how I was going to feel during this journey. And I didn't want to just drop off the face of the earth and people assumed something has happened to me. Um, you know, and that's kind of how I keep in touch with people as well. And because I am such an open book, why not have everyone walk through this journey with me as well? Thank you for that, Tam. And I know that feeling my um, outcome was a little different, but I was in my, gosh, I had just started with my former employer. Well, yeah, former employer. And um, most people say that they get a call back, but just like you, the radiologist came into the room and told me that they saw something and that I needed to have a biopsy. They felt like what they saw was not cancerous, but I needed to have a biopsy. And I'd never had that experience before. And I'd only went because my gynecologist thought he felt a lump during my exam. And mm-hmm. I am I am full of fibroids. I mean, I've, I've been very vocal. I had a partial hysterectomy because of fibroids. I was diagnosed with what they call fibrocystic disease. It's just fibroids of the breast. Um, and so I know that feeling when they walk into the room and tell you, you need to have a biopsy. My, my, my end ending was different, but most people say, Oh, they called me girl. The man came in the room. I was sitting there, you know, like freaking out. And he walks in because they were like, can you hold a moment? That's never a good sign when they tell you to wait a minute. And he walked in and I thought, Holy cow. And I was about 32, 33. Um, So I know the feeling and I am proud of you for being so vocal um, because it, it can help others. So thank you so much for that. Um, Jojo, what about you? What have you been up to uh, since we started In My Shoes a year ago? A year ago, this week, we were at work and they sent us home. And I played teacher to the end of May. Failed at that. Dealt with summer camp for like three weeks. And then a camp teacher came down. COVID positive, pulled Jacob out. So I had the summer with Jacob. August came around, sent him to school. Don't send him to school. I sent him to school. I'm not a teacher. He needs to be in a school setting so he can get educated because mommy's not helped many. I'm still working at home. Hubby's in the office. So I'm home alone in my office, but I have a commute. Two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. So I'm in traffic. So otherwise, I'm still here, still working. Happy I have a job. And happy birthday to you, the podcast. Thank you. For everybody who may not remember, my baby Jacob, that's my baby, is on the uh, spectrum along with my daughter. He is also on the spectrum. And I don't know what y'all. I'm just going to be really honest. I know I did a meme with the Snoopy gang dancing and people were like, that is so cruel. I was like, y'all, this is me happy because my children have graduated from school. I could have danced a jig. Like, I don't know what I would have done even with Charles, because sitting at home on a computer, he would have been like this. I'm not doing this. (laughs) I mean, you know, so my daughter to think that she was going to sit in front of a computer and like sit there and y'all were going to have a conversation with her. It's so not, it was, it would not No. And there was no way, like, I don't know, how did you figure out how to schedule teaching him? Because remember, most places when we went on lockdown, they closed the schools, right? So almost everywhere, they sent parents home with children who needed to be educated. So how did you work that out? Because for the last of the school year last year, the kids were at home and they, you didn't have an option to send them back until August. So how did you figure out how to navigate that? And what was the hardest part? 
Well, they sent home packets. So each day we had worksheets to do for the full week. I set up a little desk next, next to mine. We did morning work before I really got busy because I worked for a firm that's busy all the time. So I figured, let me dedicate my time to him in the morning. He is one that tests a lot of people and he was testing me. So we had the abacus, we had the number charge, we had everything. Five minus two, how much it is? Eight. How you figure that? So needless to say, math was not our best subject. Everything else he would work. So we did our morning work early in the morning, get him done so he can at least be in the same routine he would be in school. And then when August came around, I was like, I can't do this because I was going to lose my mind. Girl, tell me about it. And what about the commute? Is it that you have to take him to pick him up from school, take him to school every day? I have, he starts school at 8.30. So me living down in Ruskin, I leave at 6.30 in the morning to get to his school by at least 7.30 cause it's past downtown. And that's an hour commute going for our commute coming back home to log into work. And evenings is the same way. So traffic and I just, I didn't miss it, but now I'm in it. Then you be sure to give my baby a hug. I know he tests you, but that's <laughs> love me some Jacob. He keeps me on my toes, but I, I know. Will. <laughs> I, I love Jacob. Okay, Amber, what have you been up to? Not much. Um, same old, same old. Um, I'm just like JoJo. They sent me home about the same time from work. And working where I work, um, we were deemed um, essential for the purposes of they wanted us to come back. So um, we were out for about six weeks and then I ended up going back. And at my job, we see quite a few people. Um, so I try to limit what I do outside of that um, because I'm already encountering hundreds of people on a daily basis. Um, since then, since the um, premiere of the podcast, I have started my um, adoption journey officially. Um, I hadn't started at that time. So a few months later, um, I officially signed with a private agency. Um, it's been a journey, just that. Um, lots and lots of ups and downs. Um, it's very emotional. Um, you, you're, you're happy, you're sad, you're mad. Um, and um, still waiting on the right baby. So still waiting around for that. Um, so hopefully in year two, I can be on here giving an update and saying, here, I got me and my little one here. Um, hopefully that'll be the way it is. But until then, I'm still um, waiting for the right scenario to come along and for the right scenario to, to finish and to come to fruition. Um, but other than that, you know, I've been really working on my craft, um, literally. Um, my business is Custom Crafts and I have learned a lot from last year to now. Um, a lot of things that I do, I've learned how to create more products, do more things. Um, it's given me time to spend time on it. Um, um, you know, just even from making a shirt or a cup, you know, I look at the first cup I made, so what I'm making now, and I can see um, my progression. So that makes me excited. And I don't think I would have had as much time as I have now to do a lot of research and look up a lot of things from my business. So um, also it's good because I know once the child comes here, I will not probably have as much time as I do now. So, um, but other than that, I've just been working both jobs and 
um, out there still. So, you know, if anybody knows anybody who don't, you know, got a kid that they, you know, out there, you know, I'll take them up for grabs. You should see all of their faces now. They're really freaking out. But I'm just putting that disclaimer out there. You know, hey, you know, I know the people at work worry about me because they hear an Amber Alert and they scared that it's me that I took somebody's kid. But, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't do that just to let you listeners out there know. But if you do got some connections or something out there, you know, holla at a girl. But no, other than that, nothing else. Can I put her on mute? Like, <laughs> I'm going to go in here and see if I can mute her in the middle of talking. Um, I don't even really know where to go with that. <laughs> other than to say, I do know, as you guys know, I am an adoptive mom. And so I do feel for her, it's very, it's it's really a tough tough journey. Um, Amber, let me ask you a question and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll steer her in another direction, y'all. Uh, when COVID first hit, when we first, you know, found out about COVID, did you ever think that we would be like you, all of us, when I first started this and I have the picture that I'll post this week, I posted it before and we're all smiling and we're at Tam's house because we did them at Tam's house and we're all excited. And I was like making schedules so that the, the goal was we were going to take every month, right? Or every like four or five weeks and we do several episodes in a day and off to the races and then bam, can't do any of that anymore. Had to be working from home and doing even this podcast from home. Did you ever think that a year later we would still be in this same predicament? Um, no, I didn't. I thought maybe, you know, five, six months, you know, we have to, you know, suffer through with this. Um, and even after the little six weeks that we had our little mini shutdown here, um, I thought maybe after this was over, um, oh, they'll talk about how it's going to spread so fast, but then it's going to be on the news and say, oh, it didn't spread as fast as we thought, you know, that we can all go back to normal. Um, no idea that it would go this long when six or seven months hit, then you were in a little bit of shock that, okay, it looks like it may go like six, seven months more, you know, um, but we've all had to adjust in different things, just like this podcast, um, you know, you've done several episodes, you know, with the technologies that we have, and we've all learned how to deal with what we've got to deal with, you know. Um, but about this time is the time, I think, Karen, that we stopped going to church, too. It's been a year since we've been actually inside the building to have a service. So all of those things are different, and I never thought that it would come to that. Um, but it's an adjustment, and it's learned that there are other ways to get things done. So I guess that's the good thing in it. Yeah. And it has been really difficult, especially church. Like we grew up going to, I mean, we went to church two or three days a week, like, but I do think it was hard for people to wrap their brains around. What do you mean we can't do or, or have, or, you know, it was very, very difficult for people to understand the severity at first of what we were dealing with. Jojo, what about you? What did you think when this first started? Did you think we would still, still be here today? didn't think we would be here today you know still working at home wearing masks and all that because it's crazy I mean like Amber I was thinking okay it'll come to where they're like okay things are getting back to normal even though things look like they're back to normal but you know we're still school's still not 100% up with kids going into the building people are still not I've gone to work once two two days last week and my building that normally you would have 10 people packed in an elevator trying to get in at the same time, the building is still empty. The garages are still empty. So I never thought that I would see this. It's just crazy. I can't wrap my head around it. It's crazy and it's scary. Absolutely, for sure. I think that 
what we see is like on the weekends, I run to the store or whatever, and you see people like in stores running around like everything is normal. But I think offices and those types of places are still very much, uh, okay, only three of y'all can be in this elevator, or if you're coming in, you got to sign in and it can't be but so many people. I think businesses are still doing that. I think that the public has just decided they're sick of this. And so we're just going to walk around Target like it's a field trip instead of running here to get what you need and getting out the door. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of that. Tam, what about you? What are your thoughts? Did you think this was going to be the way things would be for 2020 and now into 2021? Unfortunately, yes. Um, And seeing how other countries were dealing with it and the way that the U.S. decided to deal with it was not as um, stringent or taking it as seriously and just saying, you know, let's for the interim lockdown. And yes, for that interim, it'll be a difficult time um, for all, but we will, by doing this, there's an opportunity to come out on the other side, right? And I don't feel like we as a country did that. And with even early on with the, you know, the grocery stores being the only place you could really go to at the initial time, you know, and I did, I was one of those people I found myself because I typically, I travel. Uh, you know, for my work, it would be nothing for me to be gone. And so for people like me who are now like, oh, you're stuck at home because of some sort of pandemic, um, you know, my only outing to be the grocery store. And I found myself just wandering the aisles of the grocery store because it allowed me an opportunity to get out of the house, right? Um, Not in thinking to myself, like, I would never normally do this outside of a pandemic. I wouldn't be, you know, trolling through the grocery store but also the danger that I'm putting myself and others in by just wandering through the grocery stores. Um, And I think people are just tired of being at home and also recognizing that maybe they're home. They couldn't, you know, be out in some cabin in the woods for a million dollars away from people and places. And I think it's also just normal human tendency typically to want to seek out others and be with others. So if you're someone like me who lives by themselves, I don't have the the opportunity to be able to interact and engage with a husband or children to, you know, kind of bounce off thoughts and ideas and hear what's going on in their mind and things. I am my sole entertainment um, 24-7. And so, you know, I am seeking that kind of human connection and the ability to sit out and watch people. I'm doing it a little bit less now. Um, but still there are times that I am going out just to be out and about just to see people and to engage with people. And I think as long as we continue to do that versus being locked down for a truly, truly locked down for a short period of time, we aren't going to be able to come out on the other side. Fortunately, you know, with the vaccines being um, available and as they continue to become more and more available to others, and we hopefully can get out of some sort of lockdown predicament, but I still think we will never return to the normal of 2019. We will never see that normal again. We will always probably have some sense of having to wear a mask, people feeling like they need to keep their distance even though people are vaccinated. Um, You know, people thinking twice about just hanging out normally like we used to. And I even think about how we all engage with one another. I think we've only maybe gotten together truly a handful of times when we would see each other every week in 2019. Um, You know, will we go back to that normal? I don't know, you know, because I, you know, and having conversations with, you know, our tribe, there are some people who just aren't completely comfortable with being 
enclosed in a place. And I think that kind of stays with you. You know what I mean? Um, even with the idea of, oh, people are vaccinated, you still know that there's people who are against vaccination, just like those people who are against wearing masks. So, and is that vaccine, vaccine really protecting me from the current strain? Um, and so I don't think we'll ever really go back to a normal. Um, I think we have to create a new norm and figure out how much of a risk we're willing to put ourselves in for that interaction. Yeah, thanks for that. I, I totally, I'm one of those who I, like, I have not, I have not been in a restaurant, like sat down in a restaurant in over a year. Part of it is, I just, I don't know. I just don't feel like people are, are all taking it seriously. And I feel like you don't know, there are 20 years old, 20 year olds who've died from COVID. There are people my age, there are older people, you know, you don't know how your body is going to react to it until you got it. And so for me, I'm just in that space of, and I almost feel like I was never really an anxious person before. And I'm wondering, you know, before I want to talk about how you guys feel about the vaccine, but I'm wondering, has this experience heightened you or made you a little more anxious? Like there are times when I have that mask on, I swear to God, I feel like I cannot breathe. It's because it's just like, it's all of the time, you know, when you're out trying to do something, you have to have it on. Or I feel like when I see somebody near me who doesn't have a mask on, I almost want to go, if you don't move, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like my level of anxiety is somewhere where I, I never thought that that would be me, right? So what about you guys? Are you experiencing that? Jojo, what about you? I'm like you. I put the mask on, especially when I go to the stores and all that. But in the beginning, I was hyperventilating because I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't. And I was trying to breathe through my nose. Of course, it's covered. But now I'm breathing through my mouth because now... I'm panicking and I feel like the mask is just about to like be sucked into my mouth. We have been going to restaurants at least once every, you know, two weeks or whatever, but it's true what you say. I mean, thankfully the where we've been going, they do have distance. We went to a breakfast place probably during the summertime and I vowed never to go there again because basically it was just like if we were back up and running and I could touch the table next door and I say, hey, can I get some sugar? That's how close they were. And I'm like, this is crazy. So you have people that are, you know, conscious enough and they'll wear the mask. And all. I've been around people where, prime example, baseball. Not too many people were walking around with masks, even though the players were and some of the parents, but they thinking we're over it and now they're not wearing them. As far as the vaccine, I don't know. I'm kind of leery. I know my child will not get the vaccine and I'm hoping that in the future they'll have an oral one because I can't see him, you know, trying to let somebody put a needle in his arm. Yeah, that's kind of my concern with my daughter. I feel like she needs it because my my child is a, I don't know where she's allowed to be, but um, she definitely would need to get the Johnson and Johnson because it's one, because like, if you give her one and she doesn't like it, or if she, if she feels sick, even my son, he will be that way. Like they got the flu shot. Like it was hot when they were children. Cause I said so. Right. But once they become adults, I can't make you go. He didn't like the way it made him feel. And so he, um, won't get it. So my fear is if he gets the first shot and has any type of ill effect or doesn't feel well, you can hang up the second one. And she definitely would be that way. Or God only knows what mood she'll be in in three weeks when it's time for the second one. So I definitely want her to get it. Um, and mine are not leery of needles. It's more how they may feel afterwards. That's the problem. 
and may cause them not to agree to get the second one. So um, I'll talk about me a little bit more in a minute, but that's really my concern for the two of them. Um, Amber, what about you? Um, have you felt like this heightened sense of like, you know, anxiety since all of this began? Um, of course, you know, I'm one of those ones that um, are not going to a restaurant. Um, um, everyone says that I probably should just go anywhere because my husband is one of those who is in the streets. So we are completely opposite. He just put that um, man on blast. But okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but he is, but I am not. Um, and he loves to go out, but we, you know, I feel like we just can't. For me in a restaurant, it doesn't matter to me how far the table away is for me. And, you know, they tell you that you're supposed to keep your mask on until the food comes. Nobody does that. So I just feel like I'm in this big room and everybody in there doesn't have the mask on and they're all talking. And then I start seeing, you know, I know when people talk, stuff comes out their mouth and there's probably germs floating in the air. And thinking about it right now, I am probably hyperventilating. But <laughs> I just cannot do a restaurant. Um, I even have a problem sometimes when I go to pick up the food. If they're taking too long, I'm like, I'll wait outside. Because as soon as people come in the door, they're just taking off the mask. It's just people don't think it's a big deal. Um, and I know for me, because I do see so many people at work, I try to limit how many people I see when I'm not at work. Um, I'm not at a job where I'm only going to see one or two people or I'm working from home. Um, I promise you, I come into contact with probably three to 400 people a day. Um, we're supposed to social distance, but you know, we're out there checking temperatures, letting people in. Um, we're a customer service industry, so I may have to go up to a counter to talk to individuals. So I can be in a room at any given moment with 60 or 70 people. Now they're all required to wear their masks, but because I am with so many people, I try to limit what I do afterwards. Um, for their safety and mine, you know, I just don't want to see any more people. <laughs> I've seen enough for the day. And then also I don't want anyone else to come into contact with whatever germs and whatever else that I um, came in contact with all of the people that I saw during the day. So um, I would love to go to a restaurant and sit down and eat. I know my husband would love to because he's tired of going to pick up food, at least when he's eating with me, because he'd be in them streets like I said with everybody else. But um, but <laughs> I just, I can't do it. Um, we're complete opposite. So it, it's, it's difficult in my household because I just don't agree with a lot of stuff. And um, I got hand sanitizers on every counter. I spray down the couch every day with my little micro band. Um, I spray the pillows. Um, I spray my shoes if they're outside. So I'm what people call COVID crazy. That's me. Yeah, my husband does the spraying of the shoes, which I don't have a problem with. Um, I do have to hide the Lysol sometimes because brother can go through a can in a week. Anyway, but <laughs> but um, I do I do. But I put my husband on blast. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just commenting. Um, so I can, I can relate to some of that. I feel like Amber's probably a little more extreme. I think that I might, uh, once I get the vaccine, if I get the vaccine, I'll talk about that in a minute. I might feel comfortable starting by some outdoor dining where I've seen where they, you know, put the tables out. But I think it'll be a minute before I just say, hey, let's run up to so-and-so and sit down and eat. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening for a few months. Uh, Tam, what about you? How has this heightened your level of anxiety or has it? So you would think even with my, you know, later on with my diagnosis and um, my immune system definitely being compromised that I would take a little bit more precautions. I am like Joanne, I do go out to eat. Um, my boyfriend thinks that sometimes I am suicidal. Um, he goes with me 
um, but he, you know, we'll, we'll have lengthy talks about, you know, why is it that I feel like I need to be out? Um, you know, where are we going? Um, what is it that we, you know, what is it that I'm looking to accomplish by going out? Um, and then once we're out, it's sort of like, well, let's stop here and then let's stop there. And it just kind of like, it's a contagion, of, you know, like, because I'm so excited that I'm out that I want to go and stop. I do find though, we have left restaurants um, if the seating is too close. So if it's starting to get too crowded and they don't seem to want to, you know, adhere to social distancing six feet, we have literally ordered something, saw that they were getting ready to put someone literally right next to us where I could reach out and, you know, eat with them off of their plate and have decided that we weren't going to stay and I've left. Um, I have found that I've also, if I'm going by myself to run an errand and the store is overcrowded, I get anxious. I physically can feel that I am getting anxious um, and I have left the store because, or I'm noticing you're standing too close to me in line and we'll say, you know, that is not six feet I need for you to back up. Um, so I think it, I, I, I try to find a balance I don't want to, you know, be stuck in the house. That's just not my personality and who I am. And I get anxious. Um, but I am also very much aware that not everyone and maybe be taking the same precautions that I'm taking or lack thereof. Um, and may not be, you know, made me even more socially aware of if I'm sick and I may not look like I am sick. Who else could be sick and not look like they're sick? Um, and so that just has made me a little bit more aware and created more awareness. As far as the vaccines concerned, at the beginning of all of this, I was definitely one of those ones that said I'd wait a year after the vaccine came out to see uh, <laughs> what, the, what the side effects have been for others and, you know, and what have you. Um, I received a phone call from my doctor last week asking if I was interested in getting the vaccine because my immune system is compromised. Um, and I asked, this is going to be the only time I'm going to be asked. Do I have to take advantage of it now or could I wait because of my surgery? I'm kind of Larry, about introducing something new to my system when I'm just trying to get my system bounced back and then still having to, you know, kind of battle whatever I might meet at the hospital um, this week that may not be, you know, introduced to my system. But I think I will end up taking the vaccine because it's not only protecting me, I have to think about the others who, again, I, that may not look sick, but could benefit from those of us who would take the vaccine. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit more about how you guys feel about the vaccine. So I'll start. For me, I want to take the vaccine. Um, my hesitation right now is, and I talked to my niece, Dr. Boyd. I'm so excited to be able to say that. <laughs> She's a pharmacist. Um, I talked to her a little bit because I'm allergic to half of the United States, right? So um, I have food allergies, but I also have environmental allergies. Now, none of them have risen to the level of me needing an EpiPen. And when you look at the paperwork, it looks like those who are like anaphylactic type um, allergies are the ones that really need to be careful. But what I want to know is, is there one that might be the best for me to take of the three? So that's my problem at the moment. You know, I know that that is an issue for me. So I just kind of want to know what is the best vaccine for me to go with. Um, Amber, what about you? How do you feel about the vaccine? Well, I am pro-vaccine. Shoot me up with two, three, however many you can give me, whichever one you can give me. <laughs> um, so I am completely pro-vaccine. I do feel like um, Karen feels that, you know, um, yeah, there may be some side effects, but if you get COVID, yeah, I may not even have any symptoms. Um, but so many people have had so many after effects from having COVID until, 
you know, what's worse? Do you have a couple of after effects of the vaccine that keeps you from getting COVID or you get COVID and then have to, you know, deal with almost dying potentially. And then the, with all of the things that come with it after it that we still don't know. Um, I have been working with a, a group in part here in Tampa that has been helping at first when it was for the 65 and older community. Um, it's a minority initiative to help those who are a little bit fearful of the vaccine. Um, everybody knows or should know about, you know, the Tuskegee experiment that they had going on and that made some people leery of the vaccine. So they had an initiative here where they, through the churches, were giving out vaccines. So in doing that, I have learned a lot about the vaccines. I have a couple of friends and my niece also who's a doctor and a friend who's an anesthesiologist and a couple other friends who are nurse practitioners and I've been getting information from them um, and advice from them. I don't have the allergy problem as my sister has, but um, I have some other things going on. But for me, I'm just pro-vaccine. I've learned a lot from doing um, what I've been doing, the work with the elderly community. Um, I've seen the effects of those individuals who have gotten it. Um, and I'm ready. I'm telling you, when they say that somebody with curly hair who's 40 something can get it, I'm going to be in line to get it because I got curly hair and 40 something because nothing else I seem to qualify for for right now. But pro vaccine. Woo -woo. I don't know if my sister had a little something, some sugar before we started this because she is off the easy. Okay, Jojo, what about you? <laughs> How are you feeling? In the beginning, I was like, not me. I'm not taking that vaccine. So I'm waiting. I'm still not at the, you're at the stage where you need to get it. Cause you know, I'm not up there yet. Almost, but not up there yet. But I think eventually I will. I'm just like you, I want one shot. I don't, I don't want two shots. I don't like needles. So <laughs> And I don't, I mean, I don't have the high blood pressure. I don't have asthma. I don't, so I'm not really at that stage where, you know, I'm qualifying for it right now. But I think eventually I will, because I do. I want to go to concerts. I want to do, I want to fly, but I'm leery to do that. So, yeah. And I think a lot of people are saying that, and I don't know how true this is, but that a lot of places you will not be able to go if you don't prove that you've been vaccinated. And so, you know, for a lot of us, whether you want to do it or not, if you want to do some of these things, you're going to be forced to get the vaccine. Tam, you talked about it a little bit. So are you thinking that maybe after your surgery and you're feeling a little bit better, you might take it? Or what do you think? Thinking after my surgery, um, after I recover from that, I will go ahead and take it um, because I do want to get back out in the world. I do want to go back out and travel. And, it, you know, people are talking about you're going to need a vaccine passport. Um, to be able to get out and about. And, you know, um, I enjoy traveling. I enjoy being out and about. I also enjoy being home when I choose to be home. So I'm definitely going to take advantage of whatever vaccine is available to me um, at the time so that I can hopefully get to some sense of normalcy for me. Um, again, realizing that that may still slightly be different than what it was in 2019. Yeah, I agree. I'm interested to see what is the life going to be like after we have gotten to what they call herd immunity, right? Which means you have enough people vaccinated that it can kind of stay the, you know, stem the tide of this. But I, like you, Tam, don't know if we'll ever be able to get back to, um, you know, you go to concerts and you're almost sitting on top of each other type thing, if we'll ever be able to do that again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what life is like after that herd immunity. So just want to get your opinion really quickly and then we'll leave COVID alone. How do you feel about 
uh, governors who are starting to like 100% just let's reopen and say, uh, go, you know, and go with God, just do your thing. No masks, you know, restaurants at 100% capacity, uh, just make it happen. Amber, you first, how do you feel about that? Well, everybody knows that's a no-go for me. Um, I just think that it's unwise to do that. Um, um, I don't even understand how they can. Some of the states that are doing it, it's not even proven that they're getting lower numbers. Um, some of them, they're at the highest point or it's increasing by more than 50%, like on a daily basis. And you think it's okay. And I think that people are, they are tired of it. And I do get it. I, I'm tired, you know, I am COVID crazy, but I would like to go out to a restaurant or like to do something. But I think that you're just setting your, your city or your town back by doing that. Um, I think it's an unwise decision um, to just, you know, you know, take off the reins completely and just say, go for what you know. And it's basically like, if you get it, you get it. And they don't really care. Um, so to me, it's like a bunch of people that don't really care. They just want that immediate satisfaction to be able to do whatever it is that they want to do. Pam, what about you? How do you feel about that? States that are just opening up everything. I think it's, it's economics, right? So people are concerned about their states losing money, their um, citizens not being employed and not, you know, which then pours into taxes. It's also, um, you know, political. There, if you realize this, if you take a look at the states that are opening back up again, they seem to lend to one political party. They seem to lend to one particular ideology that this is a hoax. It's just like the flu. It's not that bad. We all, we just all get back out in the world again and get herd immunity and they don't quite understand the science that is required for us to get there. That if we take again, a little precaution on the front end, there'll be larger rewards on the back end. Um, and we'll be inconvenienced on the front end, but there'll be again, larger rewards on the, on the back end. Um, you know, we live in one of those states where they are just saying, screw us, um, you know, survival of the fittest, and so it, it's up to the citizens to make the decisions on their own about what is best for them and their family, which it always should be. But there are sometimes people need guidance. And, you know, we elect our officials because they have access to, you know, reports and information that we as normal citizens don't have access to. And so they're supposed to be the informed people to provide us with some guidance. Doesn't mean still we have to follow that guidance, but they should be you know, wanting the good for all, not just for those that are financially going to help them in one way or the other. I'm not even saying them personally, maybe that's them as a state or them be able to be reelected in the next upcoming year. You might be able to get reelected, but if these citizens aren't healthy, who are you leading? You know, so, um, I think it's a very dangerous game that these um, states are playing with people's lives. And it's not, you know, we're not video games where we, you know, you just hit restart and you get, you know, you get your six lives or seven lives again. You're literally dealing with people's lives and we're losing people for reasons that could have been prevented. Um, so it's really, really sad. And so we have to make sure we're doing our due diligence and looking at where we're getting our information and decide what is best for us and our, you know, our families. Jojo, what about you? I agree with Tam also. It's, you know, our state, they're quick. They want to open. He wants to open. And I see a lot of people that are following him and thinking, okay, we're back to normal and all that. Sarasota is prime example. No mandate of mask and all that, which is kind of scary. 
because we're not back to normal and it's all about the economy. They want to open up and want the money coming in, not realizing you're going to have, it's going to be a worse wave if we go back to normal right now and still not Mm -hmm. having people vaccinated and, you know, try to get a hold of it first and that we're not. Our leaders are not doing that. At least Florida's leaders. I agree. And I hear Jacob in the background. Jacob is like, y'all have been on this uh, call. Hi. (laughs) How are you? You guys can't see, but she just put the camera on my baby. I miss Jacob. (laughs) So just really quickly, I think it would be remiss if we didn't talk about this. We've spent a lot of time on COVID because that's really impacting um, everyone, obviously. Uh, But I also wanted to just talk briefly about how we have been feeling about the racial unrest that really unfolded in 2020 um, during COVID. So on top of that, you had people who were marching on on behalf of uh, people of of black folks and and black men and women who were being uh, killed, uh, either law enforcement or citizens who felt like, you know, they just had the right to do that. And how have you guys been coping with that? And how do you feel we're doing? I kind of feel like right now with the vaccine and everything that's going on, in some ways that has taken a bit of a backseat, uh, which is always a fear of mine that there's a lot of talk about it when it first happens. And then as time goes on, people's attention uh, goes on to something else. And then those issues don't ever get resolved until there's a wave of black folks or people of color being killed. Like now you're starting to hear them talk about hate crimes against Asian Americans, right? So I just feel like it goes on the back burner until something happens and then it comes to the forefront and we all spend a lot of time talking about it and then it just dies into the background again. And it becomes this vicious cycle that we can't get out of and then we don't see the change that we, would expect from a civilized country that we call ourselves. Uh, so Tam, I'll let you start. How do you feel about that? I think initially that was my fear that this is just, you know, a, the topic of the moment and something else is going to happen and, you know, take away from the new cycle and it kind of be, you know, going away. I think one of the things that we've been fortunate with in some respects, when I think about the pandemic is that we're all, tied to the news cycles, right? And so we are watching how other uh, how other countries are responding to what's going on, how other parts of the our nation are responding to what's going on. So even if it's not being talked about maybe in your small community, there's another community that is doing something that is unique and that's uprising. I think social media is a curse and a blessing, is a blessing and probably in this situation for those of us who are concerned about it not staying in the news cycle, because I know in my news feed and who I've decided to follow, it is a constant conversation. And it may not be also in the same realm of the George Floyd killing and Aubrey, you know, um, Aubrey Ahmed and, you know, Breonna Taylor, but then they're talking about the social injustices of the vaccine in the communities in which it's accessible. So you're able to see it, not just, oh, we're so concerned about us being black and the police killings, but also, we're talking about systemic racism and how it is embedded in everything that you know we do as black people or you know go out and about. Then we're also now seeing the laws, like in Georgia, where they're trying to really, you know, how important your voice is. You're seeing how important your voice is because now they're trying to create laws to squash your voice. So even if 
we're not talking about police killing. We're still seeing systemic racism constantly coming up and what's going on. Even if it may not be about Blacks and African-Americans, it's important for the Asian voice to be heard. So the, you know, the balance that's going on against Asians. So it's about how can we show similarities and tie those in, but say we still need to fight towards equality. We need to still, in every aspect of our lives, not just we want to be treated fairly by the police. We want to be treated fairly by the police. We want to have access to health care. We want our healthcare professionals to listen to when we're talking. We want access to vaccines at the same rate as our non-colored colleagues and neighbors. We want access to jobs in the same way, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we may not have that problem. It's also our responsibility, though, to make sure that it doesn't go into the into the background, right? So what are we doing? You know, we can't always expect, and I know we're tired, but we can't always expect for it to be the forethought of our non-colored neighbors to be out there fighting because they get tired and it's not their fight and they're not affected by it. We have to keep raising our voices and, you know, demand change. And I'm glad you brought that up because it is more than just you know, the social unrest of the killing of Black folk that we saw in the beginning. It is, I know here in Florida, I don't know about other states because I'm not from other states, but the way they are doling out this vaccine is a hot, wretched mess because they are doing it. You know, there've always, there've already been several stories of, you know, they just, they're, 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 uh, they're doing an investigation into our governor because in early, in January, before we even knew vaccines were coming, um, either they're donating to his campaign or they are giving it to these elite white, almost exclusively white, high economic neighborhoods for this vaccine, like the rest of us don't need to be vaccinated. And so in communities of color, um, in low income communities, we're like getting the shaft when it comes to this vaccine because they are quietly giving it to their little cronies in these highfalutin, mostly white neighborhoods. And so you're right, it isn't just about the killing of black folk, it is a systemic issue. You know, I think that that is one thing that we have to really pay attention to. It's just not what you see happening right there where they're killing people. It's this stuff they're doing in the background that we may not even know is happening. And you're right, it's all of us of color who need to come together, whether it's black, you know, Latinx, Asian, whomever, because there is some form of racism that we're all experiencing. Uh, Jojo, how do you feel? I feel like it's hasn't, I mean, you know, the killings and all that, they've not talked about it as much as they were doing it before. Um, as far as the vaccines and all that, I am feeling like, yes, it's being geared towards other groups of people and not worried about the minorities and all that. And I don't think I personally, and I don't notice it because I really tried not, to, I've been trying not to watch the news as much like before, because it was, I, I felt like, I mean, we all felt like it and I'm sure you guys did too, but it was just crazy. And I couldn't believe the stuff that was going on, but now it's like, they put that in the, in the back burner, which is. Y'all know what my it, friend really wanted to say, it, right? <laughs> In the words of a New Yorker, it pissed me off because, you know, it's like now, okay, we, you know, did the, the marching and all that. And they make it seem like we've done it. It's done already. We're helping, but they're really not helping because now it's back, you know, 
they're covering it up now. Everything, you know, we did what we did and that was it. And they're not talking about it. But as far as vaccines and all that, I mean, us being, not us, me personally, or you, but being investigated because they are gearing towards higher income people and not worried about the lower income, the minorities, the people that do need it. Thank you, Jojo. Amber, what's your view on that? Um, I, I agree with what everybody said. Um, I think that another thing that's happening is, is that the more, just like the more and more COVID, the longer it's going on, it's getting on people's nerves. I think that this whole thing of we should treat Black people like everybody else and we should pe treat people of color like everyone else is getting on those who don't agree nerves. And I say that because I know recently I find a lot that people do a lot of comparison of things that don't make any sense. Um, I know everybody has heard about what's going on with the whole Dr. Seuss thing. And I love Dr. Seuss. You can ask my sister. I like owned every book. I loved it. Um, and I had a friend and I even was talking to my sister. I was like, well, man, what's wrong with Dr. Seuss? I've been watching the news. And he had these five books that I had never heard of had never seen that had some issues with them. And they removed those five books, not them all. I had um, someone that I know on Facebook and she compared saying that, oh, we live in a world where you can have WAP be in the top 10, but you're gonna have, you're gonna take down um, Dr. Seuss books that have been in you know, the foundation of education for however many years. And I said to myself, what does one have to do with the other? You know, um, we all know the song WAP. I'm not a fan of it, but hey, it's out there. But the one or the other has nothing to do with a song about that's a little bit vulgar like it is, has nothing to do with the racial issues that were inside of his book. And do you not think that taking those books out of circulation that describe those things is a good thing? But they want to compare it as to, oh, that we're just taking down the entire educational system and, and what we're trying to teach kids. And that means that you're okay teaching those kids those things that were in those books that they took out. Um, so I just think it's, it, they're, they're coming up with new ways and it's giving them time to compare things that just don't go together. Um, you know, it, I, you know, I'm a woman of color and I can't change that at all, period. There's nothing you can do about it that I can change it. And they want to compare it to so many other issues. So I just think the longer it goes on, those people who truly don't agree, it's getting on their nerves. It's getting on the nerves to talk about, you know, giving us the same type of rights. And what I don't want to happen, which it seems to be happening coming out of the news is we have to do a very good job of trying to keep it in people's minds and keeping it in the forefront because these people that it's getting on their nerves, they're doing what they can to make sure that it doesn't get as much news as possible and that it's not as important as they see it. Um, so that's the issue that I've seen lately. Um, it's a little bit frustrating, um, especially, you know, people I thought were friends of mine, <laughs> the things that they say and how they truly feel. But um, I just find that they, they're getting desperate and grasping at straws because they just really can't admit that this is wrong. That, that's like a, they can't say that, oh my gosh, this is wrong. They just wanna compare it to something else and say, see, it's like that, like this little thing over here and I don't know what y'all problem is. I completely agree, Tam, I see you have your hand up. I completely agree with that. And I think that there is danger to when you start comparing things that don't go together. And I also think that we're living in a world now where it's okay for you to wear your racism on your sleeve, on your hat, around your neck, on your, I mean, you know, it's just, it is, open season and you can just really say what you really you know no matter how ignorant and racist it is um that's kind of the world that we are living in sadly tam you wanted to add something 
I just want to say to what Amber was saying, two points. One, it's not society that decided to take away Dr. Seuss's six books of racism. His family decided. Thank to you. Do I that. meant to mention that. That Thank was you. not a decision because some outraged person of color was like, oh, I'm going to take the time now to say this is not right. His family decided we're going to take that out of print. So there's my argument for them. And I think sometimes we don't, we don't know how to respond when folks make such stupid comparisons to things that we are not equipped or we don't feel we're tired or we don't want to get into confrontation because when you realize that people, when they make that kind of statement, you recognize who you're dealing with, right? So you already know you're going to get into this battle and you may not even then you may not even get to them to see your point of view, not say change your mind, but even see your point of view about how that connection, like you can be upset about it, but make a better connect point to make a comparison. I also think that those who are getting upset, Amber, to your point, and getting tired of hearing us about talk about racism and inequality, they are also those that are in power. So because they have access to the tools such as media, as you know, political leaders, et cetera, their voice is going to be even more amplified than those of us who are trying to use our regular voice and collectively come together and may get tired and get tired of being having to repeat and share and don't have the access to those same tools and resources. And I think that's where it's even more important for us to continue to raise our voices collectively, continue to try to influence um, those who do have access to those tools and resources so that our voices are heard just as much as those who are tired of hearing about the black folks talk about how, you know, they're not, they're being mistreated and they should just be happy they're here and given some opportunities, you know, and so until we have this access to the same tools and resources, we're going to have to still collectively continue to be out there and fight a good fight. Thank you. I agree with that. I appreciate it. Um, Y'all, we've been on here over an hour. Get on out of here. It's, a, it's so exciting. We're just catching up. So I want to thank the three of you for being my guests as we celebrate all month in my shoes and our one year anniversary. I want to publicly thank you guys for being there for me. I talked about it a little bit on this uh, solo episode, episode I just did where when I finally was brave enough to verbalize my desire to put this podcast out there, you guys were 100% on board. Every time I say, hey, I need to talk, have y'all on for whatever the topic is going to be, you guys are right there for me. And so I just want to publicly thank you guys. That's all we have for today. If you have anything you want to hear us talk about here on In My Shoes, you can hit me up at kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. Again, that is kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. That's all the time we have for today. And until the next time, be blessed. Want to know more about what we're doing at In My Shoes? Head on over to our website, www.inmyshoestoday.com and join our mailing list. You will also find great information there about all of the wonderful journals that we have to offer. If it's self-care that you're into, a gratitude mindset, or you need a little help getting started, we have something for you. And don't forget, hit me up at kdt at inmyshoestoday.com if you want to join our journaling Facebook group. 